Good. Good to see everybody. Everybody survived the weather last night? It's good. It was a loud one, wasn't it? Well, I too uh, just want to welcome you if you're uh, a guest here with us today. We know that some of you may um, be here for the first time after Easter. And so we just want to say welcome to you. And we're so glad that you would come and, and, uh, and join us today. So, so welcome. Uh, I want to celebrate a couple of things with you uh, before we uh, jump in this morning. Last weekend, uh, we saw God draw in this place uh, record attendance at our Good Friday service and then at our Easter services as well. And um, just want to say, I know a lot of you made an invitation or multiple invitations. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, fun to be a part of a church where um, the church is taking risks and is putting out invitations. And so just want to say, uh, way to go. And a uh, way to be the kind of church that is really looking at what we have in Christ and saying, you know what, I, I care about that person enough that I, I want them to experience the love of Christ as well. So it's so fun to, to hear the stories about people that are coming and their, their lives are being changed. And, uh, you know, it just it doesn't get any better uh, than that. Uh, another point um, of, uh, of celebration from last weekend was that uh, there were so many volunteers uh, that really helped pull off three services. Uh, between our host team and our musicians and our tech teams and all our children's volunteers and, and those working inside our facility and outside of our facility, there were well over 100 volunteers that helped pull off last weekend. And a lot of those volunteers were here an hour before the first service. And then on Easter Sunday, they served all the way through all those services. And so just want to say thank you um, from all of our staff and our elders. Thank you uh, for, for making this place uh, what it is. So God is uh, is, is really blessed this church with some phenomenal people, and uh, it's really fun to be a part of. So all in all, Easter was a a huge, huge blessing. As Brad mentioned uh, this morning, we're going to be starting a new series called Equations, and uh, this series is going to be one where we'll go chapter by chapter through the book of of Colossians. We've called this series Equations because as we'll see again and again in in the book of Colossians, When Jesus Christ becomes the driving factor in our lives, when he becomes the the driving force in our lives, our outcomes are completely different. Our perspective is different. When Jesus Christ becomes the driving factor in the equation of our lives, the way that we handle challenges becomes different. The way that we see the ups and the downs of life, and you might be going through one of those right now, the way that you see different things, the way you look at them, the way that you handle them, the the outcomes are completely different when Jesus Christ is, is the driving factor. Um, so that's going to be a, a, a real focus for us in, in this. We're going to look throughout this book and we're going to say, okay, when Jesus Christ becomes central, what does it do to the outcomes? And we're going to see over and over again it has huge ramifications. But before we jump into this, uh, this sermon this morning, um, but also before we jump into this series thought it would be appropriate for us just to go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you not only make this morning uh, a unique morning in my life spiritually, but also, Lord, would you take this series, you know, and would you do phenomenal things through it? Maybe people that will come next week for the first time or or whatever. You know, there have been people that would say, and maybe this would be true of you, you'd say, well, I remember when we went through whatever, Nehemiah a couple years ago. Maybe you remember that. That really rocked our church in a great way. Um, And so we're praying that God, by the truths of his scriptures, as we trek through the book of Colossians, that he would do just the same through this book. And so would you pray with me, and and let's just petition the Lord to to do an an incredible work on our behalf today. So yeah, let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you again this morning that you allow us to come, and, uh, and, and Lord, that you're the kind of God that you desire to interact with us. Lord, you desire to, to lead your people, to listen, and, and Lord, to direct our lives, and, and so we thank you for that. 
you know, maybe you're here this morning and you would say you're in a spiritual rut. Um, maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, I've, I've been more energized spiritually than I am today. Um, would you just take a moment and would you pray to the Lord? Would you say, Lord, would you, would you replenish my heart today? Lord, would you energize me spiritually? Lord, would you get me on track um, where I once was, where you long for me to be? Or, you know, maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I don't have a relationship with Christ. That's where I'm at. Um, I would challenge you. Would you pray a risky prayer? And would you say to the Lord, would you say, Lord, I invite you in. Lord, I'm here. I came. I've been invited or whatever. I ended up here. I'm sitting in a seat. And so, Lord, I, I'm going to open my heart to you today. Would you be willing? Would you, would you pray that to the Lord and, and just see how he responds? So take just a minute right now and in whatever group you end up in there, um, just say, Lord, I... I invite you in this morning. Go ahead and do that. Lord, we can trust you and we love you. And uh, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning in our passage, we're going to see an amazing prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for this group of believers in Jesus Christ in the city of Colossae. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had someone say to you, hey, I'm praying for you? Ever had anybody say that to you? It it means a whole lot, doesn't it, to know that someone is is seeking the Lord on your behalf. But not only is it significant for you to be prayed for, on the other side, it's also, it's another blessing to have the ability to pray, to know that God cares, to know that God hears your words. When you speak to him, to know that God receives that, that he responds, that's amazing. It's an amazing reality. As I look back on my own spiritual journey, really coming alive in my faith when I came, uh, when I got to college, um, I remember that there were times, and I can just picture it like it was yesterday, where my prayer life would, would really, it would drive my, um, my, my life spiritually in, in, in certain ways. Um, so I remember, you know, driving out on this gravel road away from the city, and, and I remember pulling off to the side of the road. I'd always go to this place. I can, I can just picture it clearly. I'd get out of my car. I'd walk underneath this bridge, and there's this little creek there. And I remember crying out to God in that place. And it was raw, right? I mean, it was informal. The words weren't thought through. It wasn't a scripted prayer at all. But it was just this raw talking with the Lord. And what I learned in those moments was this. It was that the power and the presence of God, it was that they were undeniable. Undeniable. But I can also relate to this, and maybe you can too. There are times when, when, when prayer for me, it doesn't come easy. Uh, there are times when I would say it's actually, it's, a, it's kind of a labor. Times when I feel like I'm, I'm in a season right now where I'm, I'm maybe dry spiritually. Maybe you can relate to that. For me, nine times out of ten during those seasons, what I need is this. I need a perspective reminder. I need to be reminded, okay, who is God and who am I in relationship to God? Who is sustaining me? Who is guiding me? We're going to get that in our text this morning. You know, I think there are two groups that our text will hit in particular today. Number one, you might be here today and, and you might be struggling. You know, maybe you're living a part of your life apart from God. Or maybe you would say you're living all of your life apart from God. And, and you're coming up against some major bumps and, and you're, you're realizing this. Okay, the way that I thought this would pan out, it's not panning out. It's not working out the way I had hoped that it would. I want to encourage you today. Things can be different. Your outcomes can be different. When Jesus Christ enters the equation of your life, it, it changes everything. Dramatically different. I think the second group of people that this text will address this morning, and you might be in this place today where you would say, 
spiritually I'm in a rut. Spiritually I'm in sort of a down season. There have been times where I would say, yeah, that, that was like a, I was going hard after God during that period of time. But now you would maybe say, not, not so much. I believe that what you're going to get from the, the scriptures this morning is a renewed perspective. A renewed perspective that's going to energize you, that's going to help you feel recharged and refueled spiritually. Maybe even today you would say, man, you're, you're serving the Lord like crazy. I mean, you're pouring out your heart into the lives of other people, but frankly, internally, you're, spiritually, you're feeling pretty empty. Before we um, look at this prayer that the apostle prayed, let me ask you a, a couple of questions. The first one is this. Have you ever thought to yourself that your prayers have become stale? Ever had that thought? Have you ever felt like, unmotivated to seek the Lord in prayer? You ever felt that way? Or have you ever become frustrated that it seems like you really seek the Lord hard and very passionately when all the cards are stacked against you, when you're kind of out of luck and you're desperate, but you're frustrated because that seems to be the only time when you're heightened spiritually? Or maybe you would say today, looking back, that there were times in your life where you could just fill up a journal with just prayers. I mean, you could just write out conversations that you were having with the Lord and and they were meaningful and they were full of substance. And, but now you kind of look back and you go, that, that day's been a, it's been a while since that has happened. You know, I remember one time in particular that I knew that I was in a spiritual rut. Because I, I sat down to pray and the words out of my mouth, I, I started to pray a prayer of thanks for the meal that I was about to eat. And a couple of words into that sentence, which was clearly going to be a thank you for the food kind of prayer, there, I kind of like woke up in a, in a sense and realized there was no food before me. It wasn't mealtime, right? And, and now I think God is big enough in heaven to kind of look down on that and, and maybe see a little humor in that. But I'll tell you what, it was a humbling moment because I realized, okay, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the motions. I just sat down to interact with God and I went straight to good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat, that kind of thing, right? Not, not at all what was to be prayed, not what was even on my heart. It was a humbling moment. On the flip side of that, when your prayer life is vibrant, what does it do? It, it energizes you spiritually. You sense the presence of God. You mature in your walk with Christ. Those two are linked. This past week, I asked one of our volunteers. She uh, helps out direct traffic on Wednesday nights up in our, our parking lot. And I walked by her and I said, I said, hey, how are you doing? And, and she said with a ton of excitement, she said, I'm, I'm doing well. Things are going great. And and she said, you know what, I'm, I'm pressing into God and I'm seeking God for different areas in my life more than I ever had. And she said, I'm, I'm sensing his presence. I'm seeing him work in my life. Now what's true of her is this, there's no one that is forcing her to do that. There's no one that's saying, hey, if you don't, I will. That's not happening. But what she's realizing is, and she's living in this perspective, okay, God in heaven has my best interests in mind and it's shaping her perspective. And so she's living under this blessing that God is the leader and, and I'm following him. God is the king and I'm under that. And she's seeing how God is a result and, of, of who he is and it's affecting, it's affecting her actions. In our passage for this morning, we're going to discover a model prayer. A, a prayer that you'll be able to walk away later this week. You'll be able to incorporate this into your prayer life and it will, it will change things dramatically for you. Also in this text, we're going to get a very clear picture that's going to energize our perspective. The last two verses of this passage are what have become, as I've studied this this week, these last two verses, we're going to study 14 this morning. 
The last two have become two of my favorite in all of the Bible. And what we're going to see is we're going to get a a re-energized perspective of of who God is and who we are in relationship to him. And what you're going to find is that it's not out of duty. It's, it's, It's not this sense of, okay, I must do. I don't think you'll leave with that sense at all, but I think you'll leave with a sense of worship. When your perspective gets changed, you'll be able to walk away and you'll be able to say, okay, out of a sense of worship, not not this legalistic thing. That, that, gets, that gets, honestly, it gets tiring. It's one more religious thing to do. But out of a sense of worship, I think you'll be able to go, okay, I, I can look at this differently. Let me, let me give you some brief context of, of the book of Colossians. Paul is writing this letter and he's, he's writing it to a group of people that he has concern for. Uh, because there have been some teachers that have come in and And they've been distorting, they've been twisting the truths about who Jesus is. In a nutshell, they've denied the deity of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul, out of care for this church and and out of a desire, I mean, he's giving his life to the gospel because he believes it has the power to transform lives. And so out of his care for the gospel and him wanting it to continue to impact people, he writes to these people. So turn with me, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 and we'll start in verse 1. We'll put the verses on the screens as well. Verse 1, Colossians 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Now notice right away that, that Paul talks about the authority by which he comes. He says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, by the will of God. So right off the bat, the apostle Paul is wanting us to know, this is not my commentary on life for you. Not at all. No, no, I'm, I'm coming representing God. This is a God thing. Right out, of the, right out of the shoot, we get this perspective that Paul is living in. In Acts chapter 9, you can read about his story of conversion. And, and you can sense right away that he has a connection to God. And out of that perspective of who God is, that God has changed his life, that's where he's writing from. If you know Christ, that power that Paul taps into and that he longs for us to tap into, if you know Christ... That power is available to you as well through Christ. Verse 2, he goes on. To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Notice how he starts out this letter. It's, it's out of care. It's out of this sense that Paul writes this letter. And, and he wants his readers to know. He wants them to, to experience the grace and, and the peace of God. He wants it to be over them. Verse 3 We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Notice that he makes it very clear right away. He says, we thank God for what he's doing in in these people's lives. And he wants to make it very clear that the agent of change in these people's lives that we're about to read about, the agent of change is God. It's not about what these people can muster up with their own effort or anything like that. It's not about their might. He's making it very clear. We thank God for what he is doing in you, the agent of change being God. Verse four, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Notice that it says that we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. It it means that their faith has gone public. Uh, This group of, of people, they have a reputation. Uh, their, their reputation is one that, that their, their faith is, is something that's so significant to them that it, it's what they're being made known for. It's their reputation. 
You know, I was reading through that, and I was thinking, okay, what would Paul write to Brookside? Uh, what would he say to us as a church? That's challenging, isn't it? That they were known by their faith in Christ. He goes on to explain the, the source of their faith that they've, that they've heard about. Uh, look, look with me at verse 5. The, the faith and the love that you have uh, for all the saints, he says, the faith and the love that, here it is, that sprang from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Notice there's this word, this, this word hope, the faith and love that sprang from the, it says, the spring from the hope. Not only has their faith gone public, but the Apostle Paul, he's making note that their hope is not in the things of this world. Now, we all understand what it's like to put our hope in the things of this world. You really hope for a job, and you get the job, and you get the new job, and then you, you, you thought all along the new job would be better than the old job. It didn't deliver. And, and you thought, okay, one day when I get married, everything will be better. And then you got married, and you realized, oh, I brought me into the marriage, so it's not just perfect, right? Or, you know, you, you, you think about your family, and you go, oh, man, we're going to have the perfect family. But then, then as the kids grow up, Sometimes it doesn't feel quite so perfect. This group of people that Paul is writing about, he's saying this, their hope is in the things of God because the things of this world, they're, they're disappointing. But they have this perspective. Their hope is in, is in Christ, in the things of God. Even if you're here today and you know Christ, it's easy for you, it's easy for me to lose sight of where our hope is. Look at me at verse 6. What is this word of, of truth doing? This word of truth that has come to them, what is it doing? It says all over the world, the gospel, this word of truth, what is it doing? It's bearing fruit and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. This gospel, this message of Jesus Christ of, that you can be forgiven through Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, he's saying it's come to you, Colossians, but it's doing something in you. It hasn't been just more good information. No, he's saying that it's, it's done something, it's changing you. People can see you're different, you're set apart. You know, I loved on Easter when we heard those baptism stories because those are evidence of people that they've, they've received the gospel, but the gospel is changing them. The gospel is doing something inside of them. It's such a joy for me about 20 minutes ago to see a guy that I know just came to know the, the Lord just a couple of months ago. And what's he doing? He's got a blue shirt on today. He's serving. What has happened? The gospel has come to him, and now it's, it's changing him. What is he doing? He's, he's bearing fruit. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, it's not just happening in Colossae. No, no, it's happening all over the place. It's bearing fruit, and it's growing all over. And then we can, I think we can ask the question of the text, well, how did it start in Colossae? I mean, how did the word, how did the message, the gospel come to them? Look at me at verse 7. It says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Notice that it says, on our behalf. Well, while Paul is in prison for his faith in Jesus Christ, while he's writing this letter to the, to the Colossians, What's happening is this guy Epaphras, who's come to know Christ underneath the ministry of Paul, Epaphras has gone out and Paul's saying, on our behalf, we give you Epaphras. And Epaphras is the one, he's the messenger bringing this, this word of truth to you. Verse 9, for this reason, he writes, and you could insert this, for this reason you could write, because we've heard about your faith 
because your faith has gone public. You could insert, because we know of the hope that you have, it's not in this world, it's in the things of God. You could insert, because we know about what God is doing in your midst, he writes, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Now imagine for a second if, if there was a group of Christ followers far away from Brookside and they heard about what was happening in Brookside Church and, and they wrote us a letter, they sent a, out a mass text and they said, they said hey, we've, we've heard about your faith in Jesus Christ and we're so excited about what God is doing in you that since the time we heard about you, since the time we heard about what God is stirring in you, we haven't stopped praying for you. And then look what he prays. He, he goes on the rest of that verse, verse 9. And we haven't stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, what is it that, that the Apostle Paul is praying for them? He's praying that, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now note that it's very clear that these are believers in Jesus Christ. Yet, this is interesting, the Apostle Paul is writing to them and he's saying, I'm praying that God would continue to fill you with the wisdom and the knowledge of God. This fights against the idea that we could say of ourselves, hey, I came to know Christ. That happened at camp back in whenever it happened for you, however it happened. But since that time, I got a ticket to heaven, I'm good to go. That's not the case. The Apostle Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to them in a sense of saying, hey, I want you to carry on. I want you to continue to be filled with the knowledge, with the wisdom of God. He's continuing to press on. It's almost as though the Apostle Paul knows what is true of every one of us. And he's just saying it. I'm going to pray that you continue to be filled because he knows. There'll be times when you'll be in a spiritual rut. There'll be times where it won't be as fresh as it used to be. And so he's praying, I'm, gonna, I'm asking the Lord that he would continue. I'm asking the Lord that, that you would continue to tap into the power of God. I'm asking that the presence, the fresh power of God would be, be made known in your life. Verse 10, he goes on, and we pray this. And just imagine this, just imagine praying this for yourself. Or imagine praying these next words for someone else. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now, if I were to ask you, hey, would you like to live a life worthy of the Lord? I think that the majority of us would say, yeah, enthusiastically. We'd say, yeah, I want to live a life worthy of the Lord. I want to get to the end of my days, and I want to be able to stand before God, and I want God to be able to say, hey, you, you lived a life worthy of me. We, we, we want that. We, we, we long for that in a very practical way through a prayer that we can pray over ourselves, this prayer that we're about to read, that you can pray over other people, the Apostle Paul is going to give us a blueprint. He's going to give us, get this, a very clear equation about how to live a life worthy of the Lord. How do you live under the leadership? How do you live under the kingship of Jesus Christ? He goes on, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, may please him in every way, and here it is, number one, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now notice the connection there. First he said, um, bearing fruit in every good work, but then he said, growing in the knowledge of God. 
Don't, don't miss how those two are connected because the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to leave this text and go, okay, God wants me to go out and just be a good works guy. That's what God wants me to be all about. The Apostle Paul, he connects that. One scholar said this, this prayer is very circular. He says one thing, he talks about actions, but then he comes right back to motivation. And he's saying, I want you to, to be a person that you, you do a lot of good works, you, you bear fruit in that way and every good work, but I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. Because when you grow in the knowledge of God over here, it will fuel you in a right way to bear fruit in every good work. It's as though he's saying, I want you to fall deeply in love with the character of God. And when you fall in love with the character of God, it won't be I have to, but it will be I long to. I want that. There isn't a hint of religious duty coming from this text. Look with me at verse 11. He goes on. Being strengthened with all power, Paul again points out that the the source is, is God. Uh, Paul isn't praying, hey, I want you just to try harder. Paul isn't praying, hey, I, I just want you just to, to, to work a little bit harder and go after it a little bit more and, and you'll get there. He's not doing that at all. He's pointing back to God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. His, not ours, his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Now notice that he, he says endurance and patience Right there in that text, Paul gives an admonition that it's, it's not going to always be easy. You're going to have struggles and you're going, yeah, you bet I am. You're living in them maybe right now. And the apostle Paul, is, he's not writing that off at all, but he's saying in a very real sense, hey, I'm praying for you that when, not if, when you go through those, that you'll have endurance, that you'll have patience, that you would say things to God like this, God, Lord, would you help me through this, Lord? Would, God, would you give me endurance? God, would you, would you help me to have patience? Would you help me to rely and, and help me to wait on you? Help me to have strength in your power. Verse, verse 12, he goes on. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light. Now notice that it says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. This is the difference between living in the perspective that the, the glass is half empty versus the glass that's half full. This is the difference between going to a restaurant, finding out that there's an hour-long wait, and saying, I can't believe we have to wait an hour before we get to eat. It's the difference between that and saying, I can't believe that today we get to eat good food. It's the difference between saying, our car is a piece of junk, and saying, I'm so thankful we have a car, right? It's a, a perspective changer. He's saying, I want you to live with gratitude. I want you to give thanks to the Father. And then here it is. Why? Why give thanks? Why be joyful? Why joyfully giving thanks? He makes it very clear. It says, he has qualified you. He's qualified you. Don't miss that. He's qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. The word qualified there, here's what it means. It means to be made worthy. Think about that for a second. We can live with great, joyful gratitude to God, even in the midst of hard situations. Why? Because we've been qualified. We've been made worthy to do what? To live in the kingdom of God, to live under the kingship of Jesus Christ, to look at God and to be able to say, wow, you are my king. Wow, you died for me. I can live in your kingdom. I can, I can know God. Uh, that's a, an amazing verse. 
You know, if you're here today and, and you would say, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I've been praying that these last two verses would really speak to you. I've been praying that you would be able to understand these last two verses because this is the gospel. This is what it means. You hear people come to church and sometimes they say, man, God, Jesus just got a hold of my life. And you go, what? I don't understand what that means. This will explain it to you. But also, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these last two verses are perspective changers. These are the kind of verses that you, you read and you go, oh, wow, okay. That re-energizes my faith. That, what does it do? That pulls me out of a spiritual rut. Look with me at verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It says in this text, get this, he has rescued us. He has brought us back. He's rescued us. It's amazing. Thursday night, we were putting our kids to bed, and we've got three little kids, and and a six-year-old son, and a four-year-old daughter, and a a 19-month-old son, and and uh, we usually do like this uh, kind of bedroom routine. We, we get out their Jesus Storybook Bible and we go through that and just read a story. And, and uh, Thursday night that we decided, you know, let's just read through this passage and, and uh, just kind of ask some questions and see how it goes. Well, you can imagine with this young of a crowd, we got through the first, you know, 10 verses and, you know, everybody was rolling around the couch and, you know, it was really pretty, you know. Um, but we kind of got to the end and, and it was definitely time for a, a kind of rein everybody in question. And so I asked the question, I said, Hey, guys, what do you think it means to be rescued? And my daughter, who's four, she piped up and she said, it means to be saved. I thought, that's good. And then Aiden, he said this, he's six, he said, you know, it's like we're out in a canoe, out in the water, or a kayak, he said, out in the water in a kayak, and all of a sudden the kayak flips over, and so now we got to get out of the kayak, and we finally get out of it, and then we stand up, but we're stuck in the mud. And he said, we're so stuck, I mean, we can't move, and it's horrible, we can't move. And then all of a sudden... A farmer shows up, you know? <laughs> farmer, savior, right? I was like, that's pretty good, you know? And then Ashlyn, you know, she's, she's four, and, and she said, yeah, and, and kind of, we're having fun now, you know? And, and she starts drawing this out on the couch. She said, yeah, it's like I'm right here, and Aiden's right here with me, and we're facing this giant, and this giant's going to kill us. And actually, she said it like this, this giant's going to make us dead, Right? And then she said, and then before that happens, you know, I'm right here and Aiden's right here. and There's this huge giant. Before that happens, Jesus just shows up and he looks at me and then he looks at Aiden and he says to us, I'll go dead for you. And I thought, I looked at Christina, I smiled, I said, that'll preach, right? Way to go, kid. Get her some ice cream or a quarter or something, right? But, but you can't miss this. Do you see the picture here? It's that God has rescued us. It's not a word that's laid back. I mean, there's a sense of urgency here. I get this image of a firefighter. Uh, Firefighters don't stand back and they don't go, you know what, there's a burning building. We'll just wait for those folks to come out when they're ready. They, They don't do that, do they? No, no, they barge in there. Know this, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Why? He barged into our world. Why? To save us. And and if you're rescued from a, a fire, if you're, if you're in that situation, the one who's rescued is filled with so much gratitude. It's perspective changing. It's life altering. It's one of those experiences you go, wow, I, I'm so thankful. I got what I didn't deserve. 
That's what happened when God sent his son, Jesus Christ. We can look at that and we can go, that, that changes everything. That changes my perspective. Since he rescued us, it's out of gratitude. Honestly, it's out of wisdom that we enter into the kingdom of God and the place where Jesus is king. And, and if you've accepted him this morning, don't miss this. You've been rescued. I mean, you've been delivered from the dominion of darkness. That's the world. We, we know that. You get that. We get what sin is, right? You've been rescued from that. These last two verses, they're the motivation to make us want to live life, lives worthy of the gospel. So if someone says, do you want to live a life worthy of the Lord? You'd say, yeah, I do. What's your motivation, though? What is it, just to do it, just because? No, it shouldn't be. It should be out of this overflow. God, I can't believe it. You rescued me. The sheer grace and the mercy of God, it should, it should overflow from us. You know, I love talking to someone who's new in Jesus Christ. And lots of times they'll say something like this. They'll say, I just want to live for God because honestly, I'm blown away that he'd save me. They, they get it. There's this perspective changer for them. Just for a minute, I want you to go back to where we began. I asked you, how's your prayer life? I asked you, how's your, how you doing spiritually? Let me ask you, are you motivated by the reality of the sheer grace of God, of the mercy of God, of being rescued? Is it motivating to you? Let that reality that you've been, you've been rescued, let it, let it pull you out of a spiritual rut. And then if you don't know Christ today, I would ask you the question, would you allow yourself to be rescued? Again, it's not you doing the work. It's God. It's Jesus Christ. It's God sending his son into the dominion of darkness so that you might live in the kingdom of light. Your role in it is to believe. And so I would ask you this morning, would you believe? Would you be rescued? You know, I want to end um, by reading this prayer to you. This is straight out of the scripture, and I've just, we've just kind of made it in a personalized way, verses 9 through 14. And I'm going to read this over us, and then we're going to give you just a minute to pray this yourself. But I want to encourage you this week. The Apostle Paul, one, he's really giving us a blueprint. He's giving us an equation about what it means to live a life worthy of the Lord. But he's also giving us a model prayer. You can go home throughout this week. I would encourage you, memorize this. Pastor Steve made a great statement to me. He said, what you pray is what you become. It's very true, isn't it? I would encourage you, would you pray these, these words? If you, particularly if you're in a spiritual what, would you say, just go through this text. So let me, let me just read this over you and we'll go from there. Here it is. Verses 9 through 14. God, I ask that you would fill me with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I pray this in order that I might live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that I may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued me from the dominion of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom I have redemption the forgiveness of sins. You know, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you might pray some words this morning that will be the most important words you've ever spoken. Words that would cry out to God and 
you could acknowledge to him, I believe you are who you said you are. And if you do that, if you confess your sins to him and you believe him as the son of God, the risen Christ, you're forgiven and you're brought into the kingdom of light. You know, Rob and the band are going to come out and, and, um, and they're going to pray a, a, or they're going to play a song for us here in a minute. But before they do that, I, we're going to put this prayer back up on the screen and And I just want you to take a moment and I want you to pray this over yourself. I want you to pray through this prayer that's up on the screen. And and I just want you to ask God that, Lord, would you allow this to be true of me? Lord, would would you revamp my perspective? Would you revamp my perspective? Let me read verses 13 and 14 and then then I'll I'll have you just look at that and, and spend some time in it. Here it is. This is the setup. This is the perspective changer. Verse 13. For he... For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, now take a moment and and there's a lot of words on this slide, but take a moment and pray through this, this prayer. So just take a moment and do that.